1: And I'm Rihanna. And today is part two, twO of our Strange New World feminism episode, Doubleheader. <laughs> Woohoo! We had such a long episode last week that we had to split it into two. So here we are talking about the remainder of the women identifying characters on Strange New Worlds. Ashlyn, I thought I almost heard a little bit of Klingon coming out in your intro there. <laughs> I was almost ready to turn into Baytor because I'm I, like, used to doing the Patreons at this time of day. We're doing it at like a mid-afternoon recording right now, so... Which is rare. Yeah. We, we don't do mid-afternoon recordings unless we're doing the Patreon. Yeah, yeah, actually, I kind of, you know, after doing the intro to the pod for over 100 episodes, 130 or something, you would think I would remember how to do them. But sometimes I get going with the intro and I'm like, yeah. where, where's my inflection going? Like, yeah. what am I, what kind of energy am I trying to start this pod out with? How long should I make the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, that's the questions you ask yourself. I'm no, sure. <laughs> literally. And I was doing it in the moment. And I was like, okay, so you're right. A little bit of Klingon did go mm-hmm, through my brain. I was mm-hmm. like, wait, this is not the Patreon. Yeah yeah if you yeah, are not okay. our patron you don't know that we are we we're not Ashlyn and rihanna on the patreon we are straight up lursa and Baytor reviewing yeah. star trek lower makes, okay not for the whole time that would be like insanely <laughs> be glorious too much. and yeah. too much yeah okay so Ashlyn, this is just a glorious day to be talking about star trek it and, and you know i feel like every day is but you have been talking with a lot of Star Trek people, including some Star Trek fans. So I want you to tell us a little bit about this interaction you had with one of our lovely followers, listeners. I don't know what followers. All of the above. Aubrey and I love yeah. how you're announcing this like an anthropological like <laughs> review I just did. You're like, out into the wild to conduct some <laughs> interactions. To local Trekkies Amongst- in her area <laughs> on social media. <laughs> This is the NPR special. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's way less graceful than that. I was having a wonderful exchange with Minnesota MILF on Instagram, and they pointed out to me a lot of men on Star Trek have these like random hobbies. You know, Mm -hmm. like Tom is obsessed with like old fashioned things and the holodeck. Miles, the doctor, in- even got a hobby of the doctor. The doctor, yeah, got a hobby. Yeah, that's so true. Archer is like really into water polo. Like, oh, so into, into it. Yeah. Um, what were <laughs> Kirk of and Spock the- have their chess. Picard and archaeology. Yep. Data um, and his painting. Data's a painter. Yeah. So a lot of these men have a lot of like outside hobbies, and then we started thinking, what about the women? Oh. Can you think of a woman? That has a hobby on the show, or like a weird hyperfixation. Oh, S- Cisco and baseball, also. Yep. um You know Cassidy and baseball, but that's only because of Cisco and baseball <laughs> like um, because of a man. Yeah. um Maybe not rooted from a man, but definitely the storyline was um Troy and yoga. That doesn't count, really. Troy and chocolate was what. Minnesota oh, uh-huh. MILF brought up also, but that, again, that's kind of again, like stereotypical. Not, yeah, not really a hobby; it's just a food. Um, <laughs> I I said Beverly and dancing, but she's actively yeah, but trying she's to not. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. embarrassed about it about that part of her life. Um, Roe and. <laughs> Like, no, I mean, obviously, Bajoran's had no time for anything other than resisting. Yeah, Kira um, but and Kira Kira has, rhythm, you know, yeah. like, yeah. She has no hobbies. She is definitely not a sculptor because when she, like, you know, anyway. yeah, this <laughs> is not no. a DS9. No, yeah, that but... sculpting episode, so good. Yeah, yeah. So, this is what right. I'm noticing. Even like New Trek, like Michael, no hobbies, <laughs> you know, like, oh, no. Maybe, you know, James too busy Scott... saving the world. She's got her holodeck programs. She's she like hangs out with Da Vinci, but also I think because she has like time because they're stuck. You know, like I don't know if Janeway in like a like in a TNG setting would have hobbies as much. Maybe because she's the captain, they give her more allowances to have casual hobbies or downtime. See, but... I would say I would like to see. A different hobby than just the holodeck. Like, why Agreed. isn't she like Cisco building an ancient ship that can like fly yes. next to Voyager? You know, yes. Or I mean, I guess Bolana worked on the flyer a little bit, but like, so her interest is then, engineering. That's her job. <laughs> Same with Keiko and Botany. Like, that's still her, her yeah, extension of her job. So you know, Which the one still be a hobby, but like not really. <laughs> the one person I think beats this rule is uhura actually because of her singing mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. and it's only showcased you know in the first couple episodes of the original series and mm-hmm. in strange new worlds that yeah. music is definitely one of her passions True. um so I just, yeah we should I, go through yeah. the strange new worlds characters or women and think about their if their hobbies or lack of yeah i think well i think let's review this as we talk yeah. about each character today yeah yeah, so wonderful conversation. I always appreciate talking with people who make really good points. I was like, you know, we have to talk about this in feminism because, yes. like, I have hobbies. Women have hobbies. Did you they know absolutely that? do. Um, yeah. <laughs> Star Trek is my hobby. Um, Anyway, so. Yeah, it's always frowned upon when women have hobbies because they're seen as, like, obsessive or, like, fangirls or, like, you know, just... Oh, if, if people are obsessed with, if women are obsessed with Taylor Swift, then they're like fanatics. But if men are obsessed with sports, they're fans, you know, so important double standard to remember as we get into this. Also, Rihanna, uh, if a yeah. woman has a hobby, she won't have time to be a mother. So you yeah. Know, oh, yeah. Gosh, that is <laughs> not okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Something from part one that we talked about that I would like to repeat is also our shout outs because we did them in the feminism series and so we're doing them again. Rihanna, please tell us who we would like to shout out this week. Of course, Ashlyn, I am delighted that we are shouting out the Trexpert's quiz and Davey in general. This is an incredible podcast that is a quiz show and has had a think tank style quark tank a couple episodes that Ashlyn has been on. (laughs) I am one of the quarks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Ashlyn unmuted so fast to, to brag about her quark like status like I saw her like jam that button so you know that she loves it we all love I was love taking a it's loud so sip of my boba so I oh. had to interject <laughs> <laughs> you're like hang on I'm a quirk. um yeah I mean just go and listen to truly any episode of treks and you're gonna have a blast we've been so lucky to be to have been on as contestants, timekeeper scorekeepers and quarks, so <laughs> it's truly a joy to call Davy a part of the Trek expert or tre- a part of the Trek family, and our just ever ending thank you for creating Trek experts, Davy. I love doing these shout-outs. I wouldn't mind bringing them back. You know, they're very they're very fun. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely down. I'm loving a good <laughs> shout out. Yeah, you know, speaking of Davy, he is also participating mm-hmm. in the farewell to disco tour podcast festival that long title i love it (laughs) that we are co-hosting with strange new pod have you um are you tired of us talking about it yet because you have until february 12th to apply to join to be a part of this podcast festival you can find the application is pinned on our twitter profile it's also in our link tree and if you are not a podcaster do not fear there's so much to do to participate in this week one is preparing for season 5 by doing a entire discovery rewatch with us. We will be watching episodes almost every night starting February 13th in order to get caught up on discovery before the fifth season drops. And then also as soon as that's done, you can just tune right in to our podcast festival and we will honor discovery in the right way. So go to Strange New Pods Discord and join it. And then you will see Dura Sisters. We have our own little channel. Come talk to us. Come join the discussion and get ready to watch Discovery with us on February 13th. It's going to be so incredible to get to go back episode by episode into Star Trek into discovery especially because ashlyn and i do not do this regularly we do not get to go in order of things ever (laughs) unless we're watching a two-parter basically so this is just going to be absolutely delightful yeah please be watching out for news out for we're going to be you know constantly posting about different events surrounding this wonderful event coming up so thanks everyone for applying please apply we are so excited to hear more about what people have to say about discovery and why you love it. And we're just so excited and I'm sad. I'm very sad that it's ending, but like, this is the best way to celebrate it's, you know, final season. Absolutely. Okay. So it's time. We really need a support person to go along with us on our journey. Rihanna, let's pull the action figures. Let's do it. Okay. Providing ambient noise. Going right straight to the middle and the bottom. Oh, oh, yeah, no. It's very hard to pull through. That's what she said. Okay. Oh. oh. How delightful. Ashlyn is blindly choosing, looking like she had a struggle, but we'll see. <laughs> Okay. Okay, Ashland. <laughs> looked like a bit of a struggle getting getting your action figure. I had <laughs> a struggle picking. Well, I picked R2D2 at first, but I, I had <laughs> well, to put it back. Yeah, cuz that's that's not right. You're like um, a droid. These are not the droids I'm looking for. <laughs> Good one. Good one. Thank you. It's Thank lovely you. Star Wars joke today. Yeah. <laughs> it's so rare. We don't do enough Star Wars jokes on this We Star do Park literally, pod. no, yeah. I for, think Strange New reason. pod does way more. Like, it's impressive. <laughs> so, Ashlyn, who did you actually choose? i chose motion picture mccoy Ooh, okay so ready for the disco you mean yeah where well, just came he, from yeah he just had a panic at the disco that he was being reinstated so now he's here he's in his uniform he's ready to go save spock i mean sure. beecher <laughs> i mean the enterprise <laughs> what plot is that which whatever <laughs> he, i know he stands on the bridge so <laughs> describe any Eddie mccoy moment ever standing yes, on the bridge standing on the bridge uh, Brianna, who do you have okay well as the listeners just heard while ashton was off picking r2d2 i reached at the very bottom and middle and picked out benjamin cisco it has okay. been a long time since we've seen him on this pod maybe never <laughs> actually now that i'm looking I've at seen him before yeah he looks great yeah. He looks really good. Oh, we need some oil um, though. Oh. Yeah, he's cracky. Oh. <laughs> he is just a little young, baby-faced season one Cisco. Um, well, you know, didn't we have beautiful? We had Jake last week, and he was very oh, yeah. season one vibes as well. So I have him right here. He's on my, like can't be picked again for like a while uh, section. Oh, there's Sarek from last week. Wow, so we have uh, friends that are meeting again. This is crazy, actually, that I picked Jake last week. And yeah. now his father uh, is here. Wow, well, that was nice. Um, say goodbye. Oh, Sarek is currently mind-rolling <laughs> with McCoy. Uh, Cisco has an arm around Jake. It's It's a good moment. Should we take a picture? <laughs> Yes. I'm gonna mind meld with Zarek. Who's mind melding with the coin? <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Meta. Okay. Three, two, one. Okay. Could <laughs> okay, I do a fucking beautiful. normal one? That was weird. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? If, if they listen, they'll think it was really funny. <laughs> if not, yeah, it was weird. <laughs> Cute. Okay. Well, bye, Jake. Um, you can go stand where you were. Yeah, I put Zarek facing away from me. I don't want him to be part of this. Yeah, no, he does not need the (laughs) the energy of the feminism podcast. No, 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 no. Oh no, no, you don't. I'm not done yet. Yet, Chris, (laughs) you always do this. You You have to run run away. Just swim.
0: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Marie. All
1: right. Well, that's our that's our musical, our awful (laughs) musical interlude uh, to start off the pod. So we have no juice uh question to ask Riano. last <laughs> week we answered which man drinks the most respect women juice and you're gonna I think have to let's remind yeah oh let's remind i was gonna say just go back bitches <laughs> <laughs> no i was gonna say kindly we should okay. remind our listeners in case they listen to part two only question mark yeah um, in case you hate lawn and una and paleo you're like oh this is an awful like, like, set. damn <laughs> <laughs> Wait Here for next week's that. lineup. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome to all you super fans who love Ahura mm-hmm. and Chapel to Pring. We got okay, This everybody. is an amazing lineup, let's say. Um, but Ashland, yeah. So last week I chose Minbenga to be the man to, to drink the most respect women juice. Yeah. And I chose Pike. Great. So <laughs> yeah. good work. Thanks, good work for being allies. Now Thanks let's move on ally. to the women. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and... We are starting it off extremely strong with Nurse Chapel herself. Christine Chapel is, um, is, is she with us here in the studio? Yes. So, Ashlyn, would you like to read off, did we, did you read them all last week? Okay, so I did read this yeah. part of the watch list last week, but again, since we reminded you who drank the juice, I think we should remind you sure. what episodes we're going to be talking about. I'll give you a hint, it's all of them. So, <laughs> um... <laughs> So for, but, but then you get to hear it in the order. So yeah, that's, you, you know, did. that'll make it feel not so insane. So we are starting off with Chapel, talking about the Broken Circle, Charades, Under the Cloak of War, <laughs> and Subspace Rhapsody. Ooh. Moving on to Tapring with Strange New Worlds, Spockamuck, Serene Squall, and Charades. Hmm. Then Ortegas with Among the Lotus Eaters, Captain Battelle with Strange New Worlds, among the Lotus Eaters, Subspace Rhapsody, Hegemony. And we will be ending with Ahura. You were waiting the whole time to, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> to hear her name. So we will be talking about Children of the Comet, Lost in Translation, and Subspace Rhapsody. Wow. Oh, incredible. Okay, this is such a good watch list. Let's dive into it and begin with the Broken Circle. You may see that there are no season one episodes on this feminism list. Ashlyn, we both kind of did the Chapel feminism watch list. Let's discuss (laughs) why we didn't put season one on here. For me, it was mostly because the moments that we get with Chapel are almost exclusively with Spock or with like a love interest of some kind. And this is not the Love Infection series. There's yep. If there's no information about Chapel outside of what's going on with Spock, I just don't see that's that as being yeah. something to talk about. That's Then we yes. get into conversations about relationships, and that's not what we're here to do. So I really wanted to focus on season two because this is when chapel is pursuing her like fellowship. This is like the Mm -hmm. reason she's on the enterprise is to get some experience and then move on and do something else. So Mm -hmm. finally chapel has some, something she's pursuing (laughs) some direction in her life. So I wanted to talk about that. And then, you know, we're going to have some, we'll talk, of course we'll talk about Spock, but I, that's, that's for me what, like what I really wanted to focus on. Yeah. Period. You literally took the words out of my mouth. (laughs) That's exactly why. So (laughs) with that said, we will be talking about season one for a very hot second. Ashlyn was giving lovely introductions in part one to the characters via the pilot, Strange New World. So Ashlyn, take it away. Again, you went into the mind of Chapel. Tell us about your experience in the wild. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Well, I met Christine in 2267, no. Okay, so in in the episode, Strange New Worlds." chapel says that she is on a civilian exchange from the stanford morehouse eugenics eugenics what? no way no way no ep a pig a pigment project what the fuck does that mean i can't read my own handwriting okay here we go here we go okay wow it was exactly I spelled it right, and I don't know what it means. So Nurse Chapel is there on a civilian exchange from the Stanford Morehouse Epigenic Project. Hmm. And apparently that's about messing with your genome. So maybe a little bit of eugenics in there, question mark? I don't know what's going on. (laughs) Um, But I just thought that was fascinating that she was not from Starfleet Academy. She's a civilian on the Enterprise and she's just like working with M'benga. This is extremely fascinating. As a head nurse, it as seems a Starfleet like. officer, kind of like, or at least with Starfleet, or Starfleet, like the privilege of rank or whatever. Yeah, right. she she's a chapel, or is she just they just call her nurse, I guess. So Starfleet, she's a chapel. She... <laughs> she's a she's a lieutenant, or she's like a rank, right? Or is she just they just call her nurse? They call her nurse. um <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I see let's start they-, they go on to say later that Starfleet it- she's a part of Starfleet's mission to better observe alien cultures without contamination. Mm. So this is why she's here on this ship that has a five year mission to explore strange new worlds. I think it would make sense that they would want someone like her out on the quote unquote, front lines of like mm-hmm. making first contact and like observing civilizations that don't yet have warp but I just thought that was a fascinating mission and that is never talked about again so far in Strange New Worlds. Like it's not like Chapel's reporting back, like, <laughs> yeah. hey, we got to observe this culture. It was sick, you know? Yeah, that's so true. That's such a weird thing to like be so specific about and then never mention again. You know, it feels like that would come come up again. Oh, how was the Stanford Mordor <laughs> Morehouse epidemic project? <laughs> Stanford Mordor epic house project. I just, I don't know. Like it just seems interesting to to be so meticulous about that. But I love to learn more about Chapel, and I love learning more about all of these women that either we know a little bit or a lot of bit about already. Or we're just meeting. So, yeah. And see, this is something, and we're going to face this with Ahura as well. That I'm not sure if it's, if this whole thing going on with Chapel was from Roddenberry's like notebook scratches, you know, like things that were written into the beginning of TOS, but were for whatever reason cut. Because I would love to know if that's the case and they're taking notes from him or if this is completely made up new background information. Either way, it's fine. But as a nerd, I am curious well yeah and as a writer i'm extremely curious because like when i'm writing my own material not fan fiction i have to write pretty much an entire like like an info form for all of my different characters you know just with like their background history height hair color you know just everything to get me acquainted with my character before i have to write for them completely so i'd be so curious if roddenberry had something like that where he had, like, a sketch profile of all of his characters, but I don't know how it goes for television writing, like, versus novel writing, so, um, I or mean, just the process is probably different for each person. Yeah, I don't know, but I, th- I think, like, once you have the people casted is, mm-hmm. like, when you can also start fleshing it's out those easier. characters even more. Yeah, yeah, So. Absolutely. Yeah, so I, I just wanted to throw that in. I, I even in TOS, like there's no hint of her like, besides her marriage. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what's going to happen with Roger yeah. Corby, but anyway, I speaking of Roger Corby, I think we go on to the broken yeah. circle. Let's start this whole situation. Let's start the entire uh, snowball effect. Yeah, so um, let's just do a quick rundown of broken circle. I will give you give a very quick summary of the fact that pretty much Laon has gone to get this girl's family back who was who they rescued from the gorn in season 1 and she has you know kind of left starfleet briefly in the time taking a um, taking a leave of absence then she sends a distress signal and they have to go and find her because and steal the enterprise to recover her from this planet that has shifts where it is sometimes run by the klingons sometimes run by earth this isn't a political podcast, we won't get into that. <laughs> so then when they're there, Chapel and Minbenga beam down to go help whatever, you know, assistance they can if 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 uh first if La'an is hurt, but also just to aid the people on this planet. So while they're down there, things get hairy real fast and they end up on this Klingon ship after this these Klingons, they're they've been treating this Klingon ship, or no, sorry, it's a is is it the Federation ship that they're on? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's the Federation one... ship that the Klingons are building yeah, to try yeah. to start a war again. Anyway, normal stuff. Um, it like rises from the air where they're like treating these clay gods, and they're both triggered because they have trauma from the moon of jagal which they had there. There was this whole slaughter there that we'll talk about later um (laughs) happy feminism podcast question mark (laughs) and then uh they have to like eject themselves and they run around they eject themselves with this drug then they're really good at fighting these klingons they almost die spock big spock in the enterprise beat them up last minute they survive chapel is like being held in spock's arms by the end so (laughs) there's your little summary um very brief, but let's just get into these chapel parts here. And also just with her beginning opening arc of applying to the Fellowship for Archaeological Medicine on Vulcan. Ashlyn, do you want to talk about this fellowship a little bit more? Yeah. So she is applying to be, it's something that's a part of the Vulcan Science Academy, which as we know, uh, or if, you know, we've talked about on previous podcasts that they don't generally welcome outsiders so this is a huge thing even spock being half vulcan was a big question mark yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) it's it's about to get into a whole can of worms i don't even want to talk about michael but yeah so needless to say the vulcans do not like humans or like any other species coming to their sacred smarty pants um vulcan science academy yes so do you remember it's an archaeology right yeah archaeological medicine yeah like that's really cool i Very i'm wondering cool. what the practical applications are but i wouldn't ask her that <laughs> you know just like when would I you think when do you she, need to use if that if she had jumped through the portal of forever <laughs> sorry if she jumped through the guardian of forever with mccoy that would have been the most practical medicine moment you know and when she has times where she stitches people up mega's mm-hmm. like hey nurse chapel like you're good at this yeah. come stitch her up So, but again, I I don't know. I'm not one to question (laughs) someone's career path, but (laughs) I just want to know more about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I quite understand the, like, full breadth of of what she's, like, actually doing in archaeological medicine. If a Vulcan, if the Vulcans have an entire fellowship dedicated to it, it must be pretty important. So we're missing something, clearly. Yes. (laughs) 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 Um, Archaeological field, or, like, um... Medics, can you uh tap in? <laughs> yeah, like take the regular saying, medics yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Archaeological <laughs> studies <laughs> tell us more. Yeah. So it's interesting oh, though, wait. and I, I'm are we yes. think we're stupid? No, we're stupid, Rihanna. Because the <laughs> um the point is like she's there to observe cultures without being oh. without them observing, and so maybe she wants to go into a career where she can like dress up like Warf's brother and like live amongst them and like <laughs> become a doctor, <laughs> and you know I could say that. That's the only yeah. application. I could, that's very niche. You know, like <laughs> she's she's like she learned about Worf's brother and she's like wow that's who i want to be when i grow up no 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 my dear warf's brother learned about her <gasps> yeah duh sorry yes. Yes. timeline <laughs> what what year is this yeah anyway anyway we're in a too deep of a hole Tangier. i think yeah but important because she gets rejected it sucks and oh, that doesn't happen <laughs> to all charades though Oh, well, hold your breath. We'll see what <laughs> happens to Chapel. Um, <laughs> no, anyway, but yeah, with, with Broken Circle, I, I there's not too much that she does in here besides talk about this fellowship. But and then kick your ass. <laughs> yeah, and kick some serious ass. My mm-hmm. what I have in the notes is chapel kicks ass in fact so um it's really fun to see her taking down klingons even though mm-hmm. she is medicated um yeah it's a delight to watch these scenes and watch her basically fight as well as mbenga like mm-hmm. I, I have a feeling mbenga's been like training with all of these people on the ship yeah. and they're all just like yes. very strong officers mm-hmm. i mean we talked about last last week how La'an and Minbenga were sparring together. I think we did. Maybe we... I just think that was a really cool thing to see because it does show how strong he is in that chapel. You know, I mean, this is this is showing the, how crazy this drug is, you know, how strong it makes you. You know, it comes at the serious price because then they're, like, fighting through all these Klingons, but this ship is now in orbit. And they basically, of course, have the, like... They're trapped in a room that doesn't have spacesuits. <laughs> it has, like, a helmet and, like, a suit like no no complete set of anything uh so like two helmet i don't know but it's just like i think honestly watching chapel and minbenga handle this you know i mean obviously to be a starfleet medic or any any kind of medical field you have to have a any any person in a medical field has to have a very cool head and able to like compartmentalize and like you know coolly deal or at least like try to calmly deal with a situation that is horrible and stressful or, you know, you could lose someone. And so I think, like, even faced with their own potential death, they're still, of course, like, oh my god, this could be the way that we die today. But also the two of them are just like, well, we'll, like, hold them off till the end, wait till the very last second, you know, to see if we'll get saved. But also took the time to warn the Enterprise and say, blow up this ship, this is the like, corrupt, like, non-Starfleet ship. I don't know. It's just very commendable and also got to be insanely stressful to not only experience the situation, but also to be able to, like, detach yourself a little bit and stay calm, yeah. Yeah, I thought this was a really strong first episode for season two especially for Chapel and Mimbenga because they it, it it shows how tight they are and the it gives a hint as to the type of things that they've been through in the past. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's been a lot of indicators mm-hmm. about this past with them in season 1 and if it was and if it was it was, you know, very small mentions. So I love getting this history more fleshed out between them. We love a good Chapel backstory and Mimbenga backstory. So, true yeah this really opens it up in episode one and then in i think now let's jump to charades which is like completely totally different i mean we're gonna be whiplashing again here in a second and then again so (laughs) welcome to star trek um charades is an episode of star trek (laughs) that exists um do you, you <laughs> you're plot, giving please? it to me. <laughs> I did Wait. the last one. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, okay. So the, the short version is Spock, uh, because he flew in a shuttle with Chapel to these like interdimensional aliens. He was injured. These aliens repaired him incorrectly because they made him human and he's just not Vulcan at all. So he gets back to the Enterprise. Of course, Pring says, by the way, we're having our marriage dinner, like, right now. Let's go. Or, like, engagement <laughs> dinner. And yeah. so he with has to... With the family, yeah. With the fam, yeah. And Tupring's, like, really, a like, wild mom who's very... She's a lot. We'll talk about her, don't worry. <laughs> Tupring's mom, yeah. Yeah, Tupring's mom. But on the other side, Chapel is feeling terrible because she got rejected as Rihanna spoiled <laughs> um, not me wasn't me spoiled <laughs> yeah. about 10 minutes spoiled about 10 minutes ago. She got rejected from the Vulcan Science Academy, but she is applying for more. good for her yeah, good um, but she feels terrible about what happened to Spock and so she goes back in a shuttle with Ahura and Ortegas to try to ask the aliens to help fix him or give him like a cure or something to put him back. Yeah. and uh, it works. She gets back to the enterprise just in time so he can mind meld with uh his mom, because Amanda's here, by the way. Yeah. She's really here. Um woo. and uh <laughs> welcome to just, feminism. She, she distracts me. I know, I know, we're the worst. <laughs> so bad. We're like Amanda. woo-woo, Amanda. <laughs> I can't, I can't. I can't. Oh. So bad. Um yeah so then chapel like gets spock in time he does the mind meld and that's the episode great ashley that was a great summary let's unpack some of these parts so first of all she is studying just an insane amount for this interview for this vulcan vulcan fellowship and this opening scene with them or the scene with them is very cute because Membanga, again this is delving more into their relationship which is really nice to see because I feel like the doctors always don't get as many spotlight episodes as every other character. How many Beverly Crusher episodes are there compared to, like, <laughs> every other regular episode? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I really love to see these moments um, when they come. And Chapel is stressed, obviously. You know, this is, like you said, they're already kind of intolerant of having non-Vulcans in their academy. But... So i think that's adding on to the pressure like vulcans are already intimidating and then she goes on this mission with spock and this horrible thing happens to spock and he's turned human and she's completely blaming herself and so she is consumed by it like completely just consumed by this so much so that she's like staying up all night trying to figure out how to reverse what's happening to spock then Benga comes in the morning and is like what are you doing here? You should be at your interview. So apparently this girl <laughs> forgot about her interview because she was thinking about Spock. Like, I'm speechless how unfeminist that that scene is and just, just in general how like, no offense, but like even Spock would not have me that consumed to make me forget about like a very important interview. <laughs> I'm okay, sorry and what I love if, him what if it was what if it was Brianna what if it was your partner who <sighs> was like going through something really hard and you had an interview for something in your future I, I don't know see to me I don't yeah. think it's unfeminist. I think I think it just is showing you how deeply she is worried about Spock like as obsessed as she's been with this fellowship it's not her life and yet Spock is someone that is so important to her she wants to keep him in her life so she's risking it all. It's not great for the future. Like I'm not saying like every time you have to sacrifice your thing for the man or your partner or whatever. Like I'm not saying that, but I just think in this specific circumstance because we've seen how driven she is to try to get this fellowship. So I, that's just that was my reading, but I agree with yeah, you in period. general. Like yeah. I am I am tired of storylines that have women like sacrificing their careers for men. That makes no sense Mm -hmm. in a lot of circumstances. But I think in this one, I, I mean, I would, I would probably do it too. I don't know, TBH. Particularly (laughs) when she's feeling so guilty. I think you're right. Like, and you know, I think like when I think about it more, honestly, it's not just inherently not feminist to like, choose a relationship over a career or to like, choose to be a mother over, you know, choosing to be a working, like, thought, biz bitch boss, you know, type of thing, but I feel like, um I don't know, it just always rubs me the wrong way, probably because I already, this relationship in general, to me, feels just like, it always has given me the ick a little bit, and so I think that I'm already a little bit bitter, so I'm probably already adding my own like, bullshit to it. Yeah, I don't know, I think that it's also just hard to it, it it's hard to see because it's hard to like truly believe that she can be all consuming when this is still so new what they have or what don't what they don't have you know and and this pining is not new i know that she's been pining for spock for probably forever who knows probably before the show <laughs> i think i need it to be a tiny bit more believable before i can like truly accept that like oh yeah like she's just so full in on spock and so so worried about him like I yeah, I don't know, but I really respect your opinion and it's like changing my mind a little bit, being like, Yeah, Rihanna, be more open minded. Like there's so many forms of, of womanhood, you know, that yeah, this can occur yeah. well, so and many I, different I, ways. I think Chapel is an action person. Like Yes. Um, by that I mean read my mind, everybody. I mean Chapel yeah. is an acts of service person. And so mm-hmm. she, I think, has been wanting to have this type of relationship with Spock for a long time. But she is damn scared of it. And also, so she she's hovering between going in deep and staying surface. And, but so she can't say how she feels because it's all stuffed up inside. And so I think she's going to, like, performing these types of heroics for Spock is something, is an easy way for her to showcase her emotions. So... I don't know. I, I know we're talking about Spock and Chapel now, but... No, no, but yeah. it is sort of integral because it is still so deeply a part of her character that and has been written, you know, in, like, from from the beginning, <laughs> from T.U.S. always, to US. always had a thing for Spock, and you always yeah. felt sad for her because she's so sweet to Spock, and he just doesn't mm-hmm. give her the time of day. Truth, truth. And I feel like, I don't know, it to me, I think is really cool I love to see her like running around taking a shuttle with all of these other women to go and help Spock but like I don't know I think that I wish we also then had a balance of her doing something this cool and with this much airtime. that's not for someone else that's for her you know and or maybe you know like maybe for a mission like it's for Starfleet or it's doctor or something but I just i think it's got there's got to be a balance if i'm gonna really believe that this show is trying to give us a like really dynamic dimensional character you know and i just feel like we're still seeing only a couple sides of her and i just need a little bit more i know there's more seasons and i know that's why but you never know when these shows are going to get cancelled like be writing in those little things when you can. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, you know what, Rihanna? Their answer to what you're seeking is having because Chapel gets a a chance to talk to the Vulcan when he comes back at, at the end of the episode and says, "You're rejected. Your interview did not go well. Too bad. So sad." She, her, like, fight back or her response to him is by saying, "Well, I just got to talk to inter interdimensional beings and help them on a." Like amazing medical mission, <laughs> and yeah. so like you can read about it in my paper that I publish yes. later, and so that's an amazing clapback. Amazing. Mm-hmm. So, so that is what I think they're trying to give her is, okay, true. we didn't have Chapel go into a shuttle and make like a cool science discovery on her own. <laughs> she did it because <laughs> of Spock. Yeah. So it's all wrapped up in here together. But that's I do true. agree with you, Rihanna. I would love to see Chapel centric episodes that are not about Spock. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm yeah exactly i think yeah and hopefully there's more to come because um if we're ready to move on yeah yeah let's yeah. go if because now now um, we're going back down <laughs> we are kind of getting exactly what we asked for yeah because yeah. under the cloak of war is kind of a parallel episode to the broken circle so we're talking again about the moon of jagal the horrific things that happen there and Minbenga and Chapel's role in it. So we get a lot of flashbacks in this episode. We get Chapel getting literally beamed into a, a like front lines of a war zone. We see Minbenga's there. We see them meet. And then we get this whole backstory about this Klingon ambassador. I'm trying to like how do I make this short about feminism? Um, I'll just talk about Chapel. She is essentially having to deal with her own trauma while watching Min trauma, while staying, you know, staying at his back, um, always. And there's a lot of other bullshit she has to deal with, including Spock being mopey. <laughs> yeah, he's and... mopey in this one. <laughs> <laughs> and then Chapel also interacting with Raw, uh, himself. So this is just a an episode that finally we get to learn about the origins of chapel and minbenga and at least their origins together as a unit as an amazing unstoppable medical unit that persists into tos like oh, it's epic and into tas may i say that minbenga was in that episode with chapel anyway <laughs> um, so she let's let's just start from the beginning when Chapel is literally beamed in transit and made head nurse the minute she comes down to this war zone on jagal ashlyn thoughts moments impressions i i'm thinking mash i'm thinking chapel has her margaret hoolihan moment in this episode because she yeah she did not know she beams down to this literal war zone and does not realize that she's been made head nurse because things are changing so quickly and people are dying so fast they just staff personnel wherever they can, as fast as they can. So she is just, you know, no no training, really. <laughs> she meets Membenga when he comes out of one of the tents. He was just, like, chilling in. And yeah. we hear the transporter is just beaming casualties over mm. and over and over again. And we are seeing Chapel and Membenga making really tough decisions about who to save about how much time to spend on people with their like d- severity of injuries, how to balance Who'd all put that in the buffer. Yeah, exactly. who to put in the buffer. So it's really it gets you right in. it really masterfully, I think shows you exactly what they were going through and really nicely portrays war from the metal- medical aspect. So I thought this was a really powerful scene and a crazy way to start out this episode agreed and yeah it's a beautiful just like starting in the middle of the action you know midday is rest it's perfect it's a perfect example that they're taking fire like right away and she is told to like get used to it you know because she was like oh my god is we taking fire and the head guy there i can't remember his name he is told or he, yeah he he just tells her to get used to it basically you know so this is just a kind of resilient or kind of um mental resilience that you have to have. And this is what we were talking about earlier, that sort of fortified ability to just stay, stay calm in the midst of something really horrible. And in in the midst of a war zone like this, she's also learning along the way that she is having to make these hard choices. Like you said, Ashlyn, including like kind of packing away her empathy almost, you know, I think that it comes down to not even, not even like getting rid of it, but just like, Having to understand the hard choices are the ones that have to be made in order to save like the, the greater amount of people. Which I'm sure she learns in like basic triage classes, but of course that's in the classroom and this is so different than probably anything she's experienced before. So I just want to applaud her for her tenacity or just in her resiliency, like in these moments of really like difficult, yeah, in these really difficult moments. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as a doctor or a nurse or like when you're working in the medical field and actively working on patients, you have to develop some kind of barrier in order to get through day after day. You know, I there's a reason I'm not in that profession because that is extremely hard to do. And Yeah, so always a shout out to our healthcare workers and doctors and nurses and everybody in general. So I, but this, you know, being a a triage person in war is a a level up from that. So she, you know, she's a little confused at first, but she really just dives right in. And that's what makes Chapel such an incredible person because she's does, you know, she saves as many lives as she could during that time. Um, She's pumping hearts with her bare hands. Yeah, exactly right. So throughout the rest of this episode we continue to go back and forth between these flashbacks with what happened on the moon of jagal and mm-hmm. we get to see deeper and deeper insight into what is actually going on rihanna do you want to talk about yeah the butcher <laughs> of jagal oh my um sure so there's this guy named Ra, something raw raw oh duck raw so doc raw is essentially a klingon who left klingon society and military and everything and joined the federation as sort of an ambassador after these this like horrible happenings on jagal because apparently he was known as the butcher of jagal because he apparently killed all of these like klingon leaders at jagal who were doing these executions basically of like all civilians children allegedly this is allegedly what <laughs> doc Ra did and he comes on board as a little like oh we need to cozy up with Starfleet a little bit and get raw on a kind of a i don't know tour he was heading to a conference who knows <laughs> not important to this up ep- to this uh episode but the tensions are really high on the ship because everyone does not want the butcher of Jigal here even if he is supposedly an ambassador and supposedly on the federation a lot of people on the enterprise served during the war and those who didn't you know don't really understand as much but those who did like ortegas and like membenga and chapel and a lot of others are not getting along with him and so they say let's have this dinner (laughs) they say we need everyone to play nice and it will look really good if these like war veterans and doc Ra can sit down at a meal together so they try to make it happen <laughs> and this dinner scene ashley do you want to talk about it yeah i mean it's very undiscovered country of them yes i didn't think about that yeah it's it's extremely uncomfortable for everyone involved and pike is doing his damnedest to keep everything together because he's daddy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but chapel and mbenga they have to remove themselves mm-hmm. physically from like into a different part of pike's kitchen eventually they're like mm-hmm. we just have to leave this is too much and yeah. uh, no one likes him being on board also doc Ross is really provocative like he's mm-hmm. it's seemingly trying to uh, like annoy everybody yeah. and bringing up everything that happened during the war so mm-hmm. extremely uncomfortable situation for chapel. I think, you know, like Rihanna started talking about a little bit, it's, she's balancing a lot because she knows intimately everything that she went through with mimbanga and understands exactly how he's feeling. And they both are so trying to like, forget this part of their lives. And So she's experiencing that. And then she's also trying to protect Joseph Mimbenga, from doing anything crazy because she knows him. And she's like, this, you know, (laughs) this is not a good situation. So she's doing the role of caretaker almost for him. So I just want to acknowledge. Yeah, and Ortega. She's doing the emotional labor of, of a lot of people in this episode and still taking on her own. And Spock even oh my god and spock yeah because if you think about it even though spock is trying to help her and she repeatedly says i can't do this i need some time alone away spock spock is like mm, but 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 like yeah this is this one is of spock's me. lowest moments <laughs> I mean, you don't like me and chapel's yeah. and like i'm literally having ptsd right now But sure <laughs> like let's talk about that you know like she's so he just cannot this man cannot read the room i'm just like headed hands <laughs> it's just yeah low moment but yeah you're absolutely right this emotional labor is just one person after the other that she's carrying and herself and having really not a lot of people lean back on i think as much as pike is trying to hold up the ship i think it's also irresponsible to have Membenga and chapel there and probably ortegas like i don't think it was a good idea at all this dinner but starfleet starfleet and they're just gonna say hey We don't know the situation intimately. Let's have these officers do this thing for press, you know, or whatever. There's a a time later we'll talk about mental health and this episode will be on the list because exactly of what is happening here. Yeah. So I think should do we need to talk about what happened at the end? or just or not <laughs> just that she uh lies for <laughs> yeah. I yeah that is definitely shows the loyalty and you know it's making more and more sense to me that she wouldn't necessarily have gone to starfleet or had you know had been on the civilian like trillion track, track yeah like you were saying um, I'm trying to be a civilian. I don't know how you do that. That's what I'm on. <laughs> Just like trying to like these civilian, and stay alive every day like, on that track. Um. But yeah like <laughs> um the civilian track that's so funny it's like you're in star you, and they're like you know you need to get on the civilian track like you, you know, like, <laughs> some people go on the maquis track you know it's just like whatever you choose but if you're a civilian you stay on the civilian track <laughs> i don't know why that's so funny oh man okay, <laughs> amazing yeah. so um she stands up for Minbenga, I think, because honestly, in this moment, she knows how dangerous Ra is, and she also knows how dangerous Minbenga is when both of them are, like, triggered in this way. And, oh, and yeah. she knows that Minbenga is the Butcher of Jagal. Yeah, she knows. Like, yeah. he murdered, so, like, mm-hmm. the, the Butcher supposedly murdered all of his people, but mm-hmm. no, it was Minbenga went in, murdered all those Klingons, yeah. and saved everyone with his knife yeah with, yeah with his knife so it made it look like he knife. did yeah and that so, caused everyone to like freak out and he basically saved everyone mm-hmm. even though we killed everyone you know he then Rob became the symbol that changed the tides at jagal so all this stuff um yeah it's just an incredibly um, amazing episode and we get so much of chapel here which i'm very appreciative of um so, Ashlyn, let's now go back to talk about Chapel's career and some singing. <laughs> oh God, Subspace Rhapsody! Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Episode right after, as we all know. No, <laughs> so, yeah, total shift of a lifetime right yeah, here. Yeah, mm-hmm. so good. Um, so Chapel has applied to another fellowship. Ashlyn, do you want to talk about? I am Roger Corby. Uh, yes. Okay. Thank you, Roger Corby. Um <laughs> spoken like aloud, <laughs> sounding a lot like William Shatner in Paradise Syndrome. <laughs> um, I am Kirok. I am Kirok. Very nice. <laughs> um so yeah, so she's gotten over her Vulcan sadness and she's applying to Roger Corby's fellowship, aka her husband in tos so not husband fiance oh they, they never see you because he gets turned into an i hate when that happens god i why? hope my fiance doesn't turn into an android that was suck. why does that sound like a 60s doctor who episode though <laughs> i was just gonna say that like we're watching doctor who from the beginning and um yeah, I was just thinking that. Like, this is Cybermen all over again. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, so funny. Poor Chapel. She's got a lot, a long Chappell. way to go. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> this so is just the beginning. We are hearing about Roger Corby, and we know she's going to get accepted to the fellowship. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so her relationship with Spock, <laughs> you can imagine, in one episode, yeah. nothing much has changed. That's not going well, and she finds mm. out in the episode that she was accepted to the fellowship. <laughs> It's gonna be so beginning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then she does not talk to Spock the entire time. And the way that (laughs) (laughs) the way that he finds out, I literally can't get through this episode. I can't do it. (laughs) (laughs) This might be the most ridiculous sentence okay whoever can speak first should say what happened okay so (laughs) chapel okay okay i think i can do it okay so chapel is singing in the mess hall Mm -hmm. about how she got the fellowship and spock's spock walks in (laughs) And he hears her solo. <laughs> and then like her is going like, ooh. ooh. <laughs> I'm ready, ready. Dancing. I'm ready. And she's like, I'm ready. And Spock's like, ready for what? And she's like, the fellowship. Yeah. And, then and I'm gonna be- she goes. If I have to leave you, I won't fight it. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready. <laughs> like this girl sings her breakup have you ever so su- maybe people have sung proposals or wedding vows or even like a, you know asking someone on a date but have you ever sung your breakup you don't see it too often <laughs> <laughs> but you see it here <laughs> you know i'm ready ready there's a song on spotify on. called i'm ready <laughs> i'm it's ready to break up song. yeah a literal yeah. breakup song Um, Ashlyn sent me the most delightful email today that just said, that was the Zoom link to this podcast episode, that said, Spock, come to the mess hall so I can break up with you. (laughs) (laughs) This is kind of, I mean, is this like just a girl boss? You know, is this like her just finally deciding to... (laughs) i love rihanna's takes on chapel this episode she's like this man should let no career <laughs> like it's not worth any career i'm trying and to girl find awesome why they did it this way i'm really trying to pull any strings to decide why they would do a breakup I, song i i don't know there i don't i don't know i don't know i, I don't know I, I, it seems like there's a fundamental shift in their relationship in Either, well, they never healed from under the cloak of war. They haven't talked yeah. about it. There's been no communication at all. Yeah. And so, <laughs> and Chapel she gets this fellowship and doesn't tell him. <laughs> she starts dancing. <laughs> <laughs> she just says, "This news really changes everything." It's yeah. song. Like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it, it doesn't make sense to me for her character I, either. I, like, I think, writing. I think that. I'm sorry I keep defending her but I do love Chapel um it's fine I think she's too afraid you know this thing with Spock like if they're having issues already she doesn't want to work to fix it if especially because she's going away and she's been trying to go away (laughs) this whole time and (laughs) she's not gonna say no to this fellowship even if her and Spock Are on good terms, like maybe they Mm -hmm. would do distance, but I think this is an easy out for her. So she's ready. She's ready to go. Um, She is one of those people who would literally rather ghost ghost someone than have to either say goodbye or break up. Or she's queen of Irish goodbyes. She's like, see ya, (laughs) yeah, yeah, truly. But she will sing a song to you, like (laughs) so. Maybe that's not not an. That's the opposite of an Irish goodbye. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's just that's <laughs> too much. Goodbye. Um, anyway. Oh my God. Okay. So I think let's keep, uh, keeping Spock in mind here. Let's go on to, to Pring. Yes. So I wanted to put these oh. two back to back because we have a like strange sort of love triangle that's happening between them and Spock. But more importantly, they are two female characters, two major female characters that are having their storylines happen because of Spock. And, and there's not much development outside of the relationship with Spock. And so with Chapel, yes, we just talked about all the development that she gets. So now let's let's move to Tapring. And I'll preface this by saying: like, maybe it's flawed of me to want more about Topring when she is clearly only here because spock is married in a muck time in tos and so they chose hey let's show spock let's talk about his marriage let's talk t- t- <laughs> um <laughs> let's let's talk about what was going on for him while he was serving on pike's enterprise and so she is introduced as the girlfriend but i am just saying right away that i would like to know more about to and have her not only be guided by spock and and we do get some of this so yeah there's a this little is, bit this is not a full bashing i'm just saying hmm yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just it's just like when you have you to is a built-in character for this and so then mm-hmm. it makes it even more frustrating with chapel i know everybody just wants spock and maybe that's the just the triangle. truth everyone yeah. wants to bang spock like good thing i mean kirk's in this show it's about to be three people sitting over spock this is what i keep thinking is like damn okay they, the writers wrote two women thirsting for spock and no men highly illogical highly <laughs> illogical yeah <laughs> that's all yeah. i have to say about that yeah um but yes ashlyn let's talk about to moments or let's just talk about her moments in general including her first episode ashlyn take it away again talking about strange new worlds when you watch this episode. Oh my God. Yeah. We always have to go back. So to Pring, she, I I love her. She proposes to Spock. The first time we see her, they are having a romantic dinner in the spot where they were first, where they first met and, or where they had their first date. And she just whips out a ring. It's not really a ring. It's like a necklace, I think for him Yeah, and uh, proposes. And he says, yes. And then they have, happy sex. You know, they're very excited because they're engaged. But and... it's also Spock erupted because... Um, Pike makes his little call yeah, Pike call <laughs> Rock answers it shirtless, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> love and affection, we'll talk about that. Um, yeah. So right away, my first impressions of T'Pring is that she's a go-getter. I just I love seeing this role reversal of uh having her propose to him because that just is kind yes, of their dynamic, isn't yeah. it? I think in this scene, she right away shares her concern that Starfleet could take over Spock's life and they won't have a lot of time together. And she she says, my job is also busy. I have a lot going on. But, you know, with you gallivanting around Starfleet, we're going to have to try to find time to be together. And Spock agrees. But I think this sets up the main problem that they're going to have. And a lot of characters apparently have on this ship with their long distance partners. So yeah. that's, yeah. So we, we're it to Pring in Strange New Worlds. And so then in Spock Amok, we actually do get to hear more about her job. and. It's because her and Spock switch bodies. We get a classic, yeah. um, some shenanigans episode. Loves to see it. Love I to love see a it. Good body, Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Spock has to be in T'Pring's body doing her work because she mm-hmm. is called away. Her assistant says that no one except T'Pring can do this mission. And then on the other side, T'Pring is in Spock's body, and he and, she, and T'Pring is attempting to talk to this species that is trying to enter, trying to see if they want to enter the Federation. The Federation really wants them to join and they will only listen to Spock. So both of these characters, both of these characters are pulled away (laughs) in the most specific, specific ways. And so we get to see both sides and they get to see both sides about what exactly their lives are like. So this is a really unique experience for both of them. And basically what Tepring does is she captures and rehabilitates dangerous criminals. So that, you know, that's, wow, whoa, that's, that's a lot. That's work. a lot. Yeah. Um, That's really, mm-hmm. that's really cool. We see scenes also in Serene Squall where she has the prisoners slash patients like painting and doing a lot of like art therapy and very like peaceful meditation, things like that. So she really cares about helping people. And in this episode, she is trying to like get information on this dangerous criminal that's coming through and he's he's like racist and <laughs> anyway but but yeah. uh so Spock Spock ends up dealing with the situation but gets to see like wow she's doing a lot. She she has like this whole full life outside of me. Yes. And T'Pring gets to see the same thing from Spock. So I just wanted to mention that because it is cool to see what exactly she does do. And and here's what I was asking for. Here is a little bit of background on T'Pring that I'm glad we, we know the, I know what she does day to day, you know? Yes. Great. Exactly. Ashlyn. Thank you. And I really love the fact that T'Pring gets a chance to, she is probably more in tune with her emotions than Spock even realizes. You know, I think that even when they're doing mind melds and such, like, he doesn't quite understand until he's in her position that she is dealing with criminals who she's helping deal with either emotional problems or like mental or whatever and i think that you know you have to have some some type of compassion and empathy even if it's detached like we were saying with the with chapel i think that it can still it still has to exist to be in that field of work and to be in that type of rehabilitation and so i think that as cold and cool as to bring appears on the outside We do get these glimpses into her kind of coy self and funny. She's incredibly smart, of course. I mean, she's just like so tactful and so thoughtful about everything she does, you know, and sometimes I think that can be to her detriment. She's very thoughtful. She's kind of an overthinker, but I just call him like a CEO. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. yeah it's inter- it's interesting to see and i'm I'm just really appreciative of, of the character that they're building even though ashlyn you're absolutely right i wish that they would build more than just something adjacent to spock like give her more of an not just her watching spock and chapel kiss on the bridge you know like i i'd rather have an episode delving into her actual career with glimpses of Spock, you know, give me a topring episode. I don't care. <laughs> well, you know, maybe next season if they decide mm-hmm. to bring back the cyborg plot line, we could have a bring heavy episode. Very true. So we'll have to watch that. But in Serene Squall, just talking about that a little bit, it's it's hard to see because in Spock Amok they seemed so in tune because they had yes. just like switched bodies and it seems like mm-hmm. they were really on the same page. But once we get to Serene Squall, once we get to Serene Squall that like excitement of what happened and their new perspectives has faded at this point. And I feel like this is such such a good like such a good representation of real relationships where you have these, some really exciting moments where you like learn something about your partner and you're really connecting on a level. And sometimes you're just like really not connecting. Spock also is like having feelings for chapel clearly in this episode, which is rough buddy. And so at the end, they, they tend to like to bring comes back on the enterprise after they get, Angel off the ship and everything is resolved. And T'Pring says, yes, uh, I knew, like, that was a good performance on the bridge. I knew, I know that everything's fine. Let's keep going, like, as if everything's fine. And Spock does not contradict her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is just sowing the seeds of their destruction When you don't talk about what's not fine. I think they do in the beginning. I think in season one, Spock and T'Pring are quite constantly talking about... Pring's dissatisfaction with Spock not having time for her more time for her, not knowing when Spock will next have leave, just him always prioritizing Starfleet. And I think this is an absolutely such a real thing that people deal with. And I'm so glad, again, like you said, Ashlyn, mirroring a real relationship, and especially one with it, which is either like someone travels for work or long distance or whatever. That is an add-on to the pressure that she's feeling because not only. Does she not have like a constant companion to help her de-stress from a long day or just like you assume that your fiance would be available to come and visit you more often, you know, because you are engaged. Even if you are doing something abroad or something um long, long distance, but with Starfleet and their missions, you know, it it's such an easier excuse for Spock and it can be true, you know, that there is quite a lot of times where he just can't come back to Vulcan, but. I don't know. It just it, it it's definitely adding to the, the the her plate of things that she's dealing with. Yeah, you're exactly right, Rhianna. Depring is balancing a lot, and I think this all comes to a head in the episode charades, which you know we, we already talked about the Chapel side of this, but the to on the Depring side, she really has a hard time dealing with her mother, and her mother is Tepel. Rihanna, I think this is a good time. Do you want to do your toast to Tapel? <laughs> okay, grab your drinks. Um, if you have, I have here chai with a bit of mocha. Um, in my Duras mug, Ashlyn. What do you have? I have water. I finished my boba. So. Water. Okay. <laughs> Yay. Grab your water. Grab your chai. Whatever you have. Um, we're toasting Tapell. Somehow we toast um, some problematic characters on this podcast <laughs> and beloved <grounded laughs> ones. Um, This is to Tapel for being a strong woman. So strong, in fact, that you were low-key awful to your own daughter. Um, And son-in-law, future son-in-law. Cheers to attempting new things by helping your daughter marry someone new. (laughs) That was (laughs) was as nice as I could be. That was beautiful, Rihanna. Cheers. (laughs) Okay, well, (laughs) Ashlyn, yes, let's talk more about to Pring and to Pell. And uh, seemingly, to Pring's father, seems like a wonderful man. He seems I think like, he a like a delight. Yeah. Like a wonderful dude. I so think I'm he has a crush. He has a crush yeah. on Captain Pike, personally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely had some kind of spark going on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Besties. So, but with her mother, it's far more complicated. <laughs> this isn't family, but this is feminism. It's still, I don't know. It's just, it's difficult to talk about, like, feminism is of course so linked with your mother if you had one you know like you learn so much of feminism from your mother you learn so much about like what your values are today or what to look out for or whatever you know I our mom kind of drilled horror stories into us so that I would be like not low-key but not like afraid but just like cautious of things Where you, know? you gotta you gotta Where? have your eyes open Rihanna yes exactly constant vigilance <laughs> so you know like I think that it seems like Tapel here is not, she's not being very supportive of her daughter either way in her marriage or in the one that she chose. And I know that this is an arranged marriage, so I think that Tapel probably had a hand in this, but I don't know how much the women have, like if it's the men who choose the marriages, I, who knows about this whole system because we saw it a bit with Tapel, but we didn't really hear about the background either. So. Well, okay. Can I add my knowledge? Yes, please. Because I... <laughs> Seems a little embarrassing. When I, I wrote a, a fan fiction yes, and do. I had to delve very deeply into um marriages on Vulcan. Oh, I love that feature. um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for, for some reason I had to do this research. And the reason that it was so important to secure a marriage with Sarek's like Sarek's son, is because of his status as ambassador. And I'm like gripping the chair. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, then, oh, this he's an ambassador. <laughs> it just like if you marry into someone who works for the government, it looks really good. And mm-hmm. to Pring's, I don't with Strange New World, I don't really know what's going on anymore. But what I what I had read from like the TOS idea is that to family was in some sort of like bad standing or something like that. And to have one of their offspring be married to the son of Sarek would help them out so it's kind of like a deal Whoa. that they were doing but they were mad because Sarek's like not around and like not in the picture because Spock doesn't even speak to him and so it was kind of like starting off on the wrong foot because you know they have yeah. this intention to marry the son of so Sarek and not to be yeah a figure. Yeah, but not only is he half human, which you're like, okay, I'm going to try to like overlook that, you know, from to mm-hmm. family's perspective, but also he's in Starfleet. He's not even at the Vulcan Science Academy. Like, there are so many things that they don't like about Spock. And then mm-hmm. to add on top of all of it, Sarek is not even going to like be around, but verbally, he's like, yeah, that family's cool, you know, mm-hmm. like I fuck with them. Um, <laughs> So, so a my lot son of... comes with them. <laughs> yeah, my dogs with them. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. So there's a lot. There's a lot that um, is incredible knowledge, Ashlyn. I feel I can't blessed. Believe you don't know this. I, I, I don't know this. I, I never have done. I sort of thought research. that you and I have talked about this. um We probably have when you wrote that fic, but that was like two years, that was a ago. long time there's ago. Yeah. I just think like when you hear so so in this episode charades there's already a lot of pressure to have this engagement dinner go perfectly because mm-hmm. there's this disturbance in the family <laughs> 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 almost got two star wars jokes in there i was gonna yeah, say disturbance wow. in the force so <laughs> yeah um so yeah so it just makes for a really intense situation and i i really feel for to luckily we're not in a circumstance that we have that kind of relationship with our mom but i really
0: mm-hmm. i
1: always my heart goes out to people who have that type of relationship because that definitely does not just occur on vulcan oh, so absolutely especially just the underhandedness the always trying to uh, take to bring down and it's weird that there's this vulcan ritual that literally is like to like just roast for a minute <laughs> it's like it's very weird you have to like pull flaw like... their flaws I feel like she handpicked that like there's an ancient yeah. text that has like a thousand rules for this dinner and she picked like the ones it's that like she Picard, liked the most. It's like He's like, can I, what can I do as Arbiter? How can I make this go really long? Yeah. <laughs> you know? She's yeah. like, how can I, how can I pick apart my daughter and son-in-law? You know? Yes. Like, yeah. Is that your mission in life? Like truly? Really? So it's just really rough to see women taking down other women instead of like lifting each other up. It's especially in your own family. Families are tough. Families are complicated. Yeah. We'll discuss As it later. <laughs> I'm sure families, families are beyond the stars or whatever he said. There it's something about blood. I don't know. <laughs> Family is everything. Yeah. So at the end of this, it all works out because Chapel saves Spock and mm-hmm. makes him half Vulcan again. He's been put back to normal. But T'Pring is disturbed to find out because she was not informed the entire episode that Spock was a human. And I think a lot of this (sighs) could have been avoided if they had communicated. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Because T'Pring, literally her whole job is to like figure out really difficult problems, you know, and work through solutions and try new things when it doesn't work. And I'm like, she would be absolutely capable of covering for Spock when needed or she knows all of the rules of every single vulcan thing <laughs> so it seems like it just could have been easier and again this is we're seeing the breakdown of communication here but also just the disrespect for to like truly to to not tell her the truth and to keep this from her feels so deliberately disrespectful and feels like he doesn't trust her it shows this lack of connection and bond that they truly have so obviously we know the ending of this (laughs) their marriage is gonna go out in like a crazy fire (laughs) Um, (laughs) that wasn't even an interlude it was just a that was great happening yeah a time (laughs) a crazy time um so ashlyn do you have any other things you would like to say about T'Pring? Yes, the last thing I would love to say, um, shout out. This is a secret shout out we're doing to Russ Pelequin. He's a friend on Instagram, good friend of the show. And he sent me a novelization of The Voyage Home. And yes. I've been reading it recently. Absolutely, absolutely unhinged. Um, <laughs> whoa. But one of the things I was so excited to see is that Sarek talks to representative T'Pring which is Spock's ex-wife. She oh is God. on Vulcan serving as a representative to Earth. So kind of like an ambassador yeah. somehow, but, okay. not this, but not the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're like kind of in cahoots. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I just, you know, this is just the novelization. Like who knows mm-hmm. what the, the status canon is. Sure but I is. thought just to see to Pring return for a couple of sentences was really cool. And That's to annoying. know that, she, of course, she'll go far because she's to damn it like yeah. she has it all together like you said rihanna but yeah so it made me really happy to see her name so congratulations let's all do like yes. another cheers to to for like having a T'pring. future in yes. the trek trek universe thank you i'm so glad they brought her back mm-hmm. ashley yeah. it is time rihanna i have a question for you surprise yes. question sure who flies the ship <laughs> I'm Lieutenant Erica Ortegas, and I fly the ship! Yes, you do, girly! (laughs) Okay, it's Ortegas time! Oh my god, we are talking about Among the Lotus Eaters, and just Ortegas in general. Ashlyn, let's just discuss first impressions and anything we got from the first episode of Strange New Worlds about Ortegas. Oh my gosh, yeah. So, I love Ortega's haircut i think that was mm-hmm. the first thing that struck me about her character because she's got like a shave mm-hmm. she looks great she looks wonderful yeah she looks badass Incredible. and i love to see this like pilot swagger represented you know we have so many pilots that mm. are like have this pilot ego and yes. she fits right in with them she is very quippy, and her and Pike like it's so it's so funny, it's so crazy to me. A lot of people really dislike this part of Erica that she toys around with. Yeah, more, it was like, she's like first base, normal. Yeah, yeah, and that it just baffles me. Like, guys, let's just have some fun. Um, that is and- the most. That's one of the most amazing parts of the show for me is 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 that pike and ortegas are creating this atmosphere of liveliness and, and jokes and it's okay to not be completely serious all the time yeah because we talked about this last week Una serious character, La'on, very yes. serious character, yes. and like and like Spock is Supreme. serious. <laughs> um, Chapel yeah. can you know Chapel can make a good joke now and then. Like she's pretty funny. She's pretty funny, but yeah. So it's really Pike, Ortegas, and Chapel question mark that are <laughs> bringing the joy to this ship. You know, yeah. actually, their dynamic kind of reminds me of Janeway and Paris too. Oh my god, because yes. they're two uh, this captain also Kirk and Sulu in in the AOS <laughs> low key also. <laughs> I, I just think like the captains have a have to have a good thing with their pilots anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah. I've had so- a dog, Mr. Paris. <laughs> I've always had a dog, babe. <laughs> you think the most random quote. <laughs> what? Just whatever comes to my brain. Oh, what the fuck, I'm rewatching yeah. Voyager, so whatever comes. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for that. Um <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's my fault. I should have brought a Voyager. We always get off track if Voyager comes up. It's always Jane It's always it's Jane We Okay. I dr- I'm uh, I'm dressed like her today. You, d- I you look like, dr- like yes. <laughs> I was trying to channel her energy. <laughs> I mean you you nailed it. So <laughs> thank you, thank you. Okay. Well, back to Ortegas She flies the ship. Yes. So yeah, so that's my perspective. I think you agree with me, Rihanna. I think Ortegas Great is kind of a, a breath of fresh air on the bridge, honestly. Absolutely. And yeah, does bring levity to the show, but also has some serious moments like <laughs> Yeah. Like we talked about with under the cloak of war, which we pretty much already discussed her, um, but there is one scene where she's like just trashing Ra, Ra, the, the rock, Doc Ra, <laughs> Doll Rock. <laughs> <laughs> O'Brien comes in, and he's like, <laughs> Doll oh like, Rock, and Ortegas is just trashing him. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, Doc Ra comes in while Ortegas is just. Absolutely talking shit, and it's just like, oh, it's so it's so hard to see because this happens a lot with Ortegas, and not just because of the war, but I, I think that that's a lot of her, um, trauma, and a lot of her bigotry is like trauma driven, you know, and so I think that her bigotry against the Klingons, and then there's this like in Equality of Mercy season one. Even though it's like an alternate timeline, Ortegas is like super racist <laughs> against Romulans and Vulcans and, and Spock. Yeah. Spock. Um, so we just see this like kind of closed mindedness a lot. And it's just a, like I've seen this complaint a lot with people online and like fans I've talked to and stuff of the show saying that they wish all they wish that Ortegas is backstory wasn't all just rooted in like her different like biases and stuff yes i have even seen people post examples of this exact thing because boimler in those old scientists he you know the whole time he's there he's calling out like oh i know what you're famous for i know what you're famous for like i know you in the future because all yeah. of these people on enterprise are historic right. when he points to Ortega, he says you're a war hero yeah. So that is what she's known mm. for in the future is something that has already happened. True. So oh, like that's what, interesting. what happened during the war? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't Maybe know what's going on. More, um, we more need more. More Tagus. More Tagus. Yes. Uh, Please. We're all begging. I mean, I, how much we got, we got this episode <laughs> this season. <laughs> we we did. Yeah. I kind of want to like take back my whole speech about Tupring not having a mm-hmm character outside of being in love with spock because Mm -hmm. i think i should have applied that to ortegas instead because she is a member of the bridge crew we have no idea anything about her parents her heritage where she was born like she gets the her treatment except she She does have a first name but she gets the disco treatment like for a whole season mm, it is the disco treatment and reese and bryce had no backstory at all yeah, People barely knew their names unless you were really paying attention. <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're totally right. Yeah. So like, let's get more background on Ortegas. If any character needs it, it's Ortegas. It's just, I'm going to, I'm repeating myself from every episode we've ever made probably, but like, it's the the, probably the biggest downfall of this 10 episode format is that even if the episodes are an hour long, even if the writing is incredibly tight and every minute is used well, which it usually is. Like, the writing of Strange New Worlds is usually really good. Tight! Tight! Um, but you don't have 24, even 18, 20 episodes to explore these characters, to have goofy episodes where, like, you have these times to say, Oh my gosh, we just learned that Way walked in the rain all the way home after she lost a tennis match. Like, what a cool little tidbit about her background, you know? Like... We wouldn't get that much stuff because they don't have time, you know, and I think that's the hardest part about this like era of the 10 episode format we're in that we thought was such a great way to do a show. But only if the show's writing is already prepared for that format, not a Star Trek format that was already going for like, you know, 2426 episodes per yeah. season. Yeah, sometimes since, seven seasons like we got so much background on like Row, you know when she was barely at any of TNG and yet we still know so much about her so it's this, just it's tough this is a this is a great point and I think for people listening to this podcast in a couple years when we have hopefully five six seven Let's go at seasons of Strange New Worlds. Yeah. I hope a lot of our complaints will be answered, and, and then you can just skip this episode. Um <laughs> just be like, see, see just see it. See it. Be like oh whatever they fix that. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> yeah. Why are they cheersing the cult Lady and <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about her from yeah. season one? What she... the <laughs> yeah, anyway. So yeah, yeah I, in Among the Lotus Eaters, I just I thought it was a standout for Ortegas because She is the one who remembers how to fly the ship somehow, against all odds, by using deductive reasoning. She has the great idea. One of the only people to have this idea to use the computer to figure out what's going on. And she doesn't even know it's the computer. She just knows it's Mm -hmm. like a voice that's answering her questions. And I think that's really the key to everything. And not even Spock thought about that. Like the computer was able to provide a little like path that she could walk to get back to the bridge when she was like freaking out in her quarters after she lost her memory. I, did I say she lost her memory? The whole crew lost their memory yeah. by the way <laughs> in among the Lotus eaters, uh, because they're trapped in this nebula probably that yeah. makes them lose their memories. Um, or no, it's, it's because of this planet, planet. And there's the like whole a oh, there's n- minerals on the planet. Yeah. They have to escape this field and then their memories will come back and guess who saves them all? Ortega's. Ortegas, I honestly love this because we are seeing everyone at their most frightened. You know, this is a horrifying prospect of losing your memory entirely to the point where you don't even know who you are, where you live, what's happening, who people are around you, and Ortegas is getting more scared and she's like mad as Spock. She's like trying to figure out who did this, you know, and it's terrifying, but luckily she's just sort of starts asking the air, like, hey, where, where, who am I? you know and then the computer is like you are lieutenant erica ortegas and she's like me like what and her and the computer is of together she figures out that she's supposed to fly the ship and and if they're going to get out of this it's going to have to be her and so she pulls herself together even without knowing what's going to happen she repeats to herself you know i'm erica ortegas i fly the ship over and over to remind herself to get herself to the bridge and to fly them out of there like truly just using muscle memory we learned even in broken circle that she moved the pitch controls around to her liking and all the men were questioning her actually there was just like these two guys who were questioning him, uh, her and uhura and was about like their station and stuff and erica and uhura just like told them off and i love it you know because erica knows what her, her like pilot needs are and i'm sure that all great pilots have their own little like layout or like things yeah, like layout controls or, that are more comfortable to them yeah controls that they've like altered to fit their needs also i feel like at every workstation ever everyone has yeah. like personalized ways of working oh, absolutely like, their keyboard setup or whatever so this should be You're so totally right. normalized yeah and she does it off of intuition alone and muscle memory like this is just wow Mwah. so incredible absolutely yeah I am hopeful we will see more Ortegas in the future. We hopefully, or maybe one day we'll get like an Ortegas episode. <laughs> even. Ortegas. Ortegas. Okay. Well, thank you for that little Ortegas adventure we just had. Yes. Diana, I, I would love to hear a cheers of the other pilot that we get on Strange New Worlds. Oh, I would be delighted. This is Jenna Mitchell. She is the helmsman who sits to the right of Ortega's, or left, I guess. <laughs> Depends on if you're pike or not. And honestly, we do not get enough Mitchell. We have seen her. I think her best moments for me are easily in the Legion Kingdom where she gets to be a whole ass guard for Ahura and Ahura's like queen so we see mitchell there and then we get to see her she gets to talk a little bit more in season two but truly we do not get enough of her and i am very excited to see more cheers to mitchell jenna cheers i can barely picture her face but i uh i know Ooh. who you mean <laughs> she's brunette but that doesn't help because that's like half the shit <laughs> the whole crew <group. laughs> okay ashlyn drum roll, please do, 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 do. <laughs>
0: um,
1: okay, I get the astounding privilege of cheersing Mariner. If we, wow. we already cheers wow. to her in the Lower Decks feminism episode, but we get to do it again because she comes on board in Those Old Scientists back in time, <laughs> classic Mariner. And I'm just going to say cheers to somehow finding a way through Ahura's shields in order to make her realize something about herself which is that she needs to calm the F down and like have a little fun every once in a while and I just think Mariner is an amazing character like star-studded character so cheers I can't wait to see her again in Lower Decks coming up soon that was beautiful thank you yes okay so we are moving right along and talking about a captain now and that is Captain Batel who is in fact the captain of the Cayuga which is another Federation ship I don't know what class it. it's, cool. it's it's doing <laughs> its, its thing great yeah, <laughs> yeah it's doing its thing um Rihanna okay. This is the third character that's a part of a love interest. Mm, um, great. So, at this point, I'm just thinking maybe they want the flow of Strange New Worlds to be kind of a rom com, like <laughs> yeah, like maybe legitimately this is what they're mm-hmm. trying to do. Is like, okay, this is lighter Star Trek, even though it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not twenty six episodes heavy Trek. Let's. Sure try to change something up make it a little bit more, Add some more romantic romance. I don't know so yeah. we we meet Captain Patel because once again here we are in Strange New Worlds and the pilot Pike has grown out his beard of sadness and um, <laughs> we he's making breakfast for Patel who has spent the night so it shows that they are in some sort of fun relationship and she says that, hey, like, I'm, I'm going out on my ship soon. I'll be back in a month if you're still here. And he's like, yeah, I'll probably still be here. And she does not want him to be here. She's like, Chris, you're moping around after everything that happened with Discovery, which he can't talk about. He And he can't tell her that he knows his future. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he's, <laughs> that's yeah, that's why, I mean, the beard of depression is valid for sure. Um, but she is really hoping that he's going to get back out there And get back up on the horse, proverbial and true (laughs) horse, which he does. And I think part of it is kind of because of her urging, you know. Like I, I think it's something that he was afraid to do. But then hearing, you know, that she's she's clearly someone who cares about him. We we learned throughout their conversation they're very close. Um, even though it's like maybe a newer relationship, but I think it gives him a little nudge to be like, maybe I should go back. And when he speaks to April, that's when everything works out. But. That's how we first meet Patel. Ashlyn, <laughs> beautiful description. <laughs> that was what I learned and... in my research. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. So Patel is such a cool character. I really like how sort of strong she came into this show. They weren't trying to sort of half-ass it. I expected her to come back, you know, at some point. And so I'm really glad that they made her a more prominent character. That being said, I'm just going to come out and say it. I do not like really the relationship between her and Pike, but that's for love and affection. I just honestly think that it would be really cool to see a dynamic of like, maybe outside of a relationship, but I know he already has a friendship with Una, so they don't want to just do more of friendships, I guess, but I don't know if it strengthens her character or sometimes it just makes me more annoyed at her um, because I think a lot of times... She's unreasonable, and then Pike is unreasonable, and then it's just like this like rigmarole. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think they go through a lot of like, kind of hardships, kind of disagreements to get to among the Lotus Eaters. Ashlyn, do you want to talk about this a little bit? Um, okay, so actually, before we go to Among the Lotus Eaters, yeah. I think we should briefly talk about At Astra for Aspera. Yeah. So they <laughs> they go the whole first season without showing too much of Battelle, but she starts to really get heavily featured in season two. And I will say to respond to you, Rihanna, I actually really like seeing... Not necessarily their specific relationship, but I like to see a relationship between a captain and a captain trying to make it work, because as we know, that is such a lonely job. And not everyone can fuck their first officers, you know? You have to find camaraderie between the other captains. So. That's so, so true. And they maybe could have done that, like just have a captain friendship and not had a relationship. But either way, I like them trying to see realistically how do we have time to make this work? It's something natural that will come between them, you know, to add conflict to the relationship. It's kind of the same exact conflict that Spock and T'Pring have, but I digress. So anyway, um she really comes in strong in Ad Astra Per because she is yeah. on the council that is opposing Una. So Una yes. has, as we talked about last week, she turned herself in as being an Illyrian and she's on trial. Battelle is leading that charge and it is tough for Pike. I don't know how he does it because I think, you know, he really loves and respects Una like as a, as a first officer and as a friend. And, desperately wants to help her I think one of the best scenes with Battelle actually in this episode is when she's having lunch with Chris my my friend Chris and yeah. um and he's saying I really like put me on the stand and I'll be able to speak to her and she's mm-hmm. she starts drilling him with questions and he can't even answer them and yeah. she's like this is why you cannot go on the stand because you won't criminate yourself you won't criminate everybody yeah. else And I think that actually is kind of a wake up call that he needs because he's panicking about this whole Una situation and his Mm -hmm. instinct is to be in control of it. But she's like, actually, you can't because this is completely out of your control. I'm sorry. You know? Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. It just baffles me that they can't get someone else for this because this is crossing all kinds of conflict of interest with emotional attachments. She's literally dating the friend of the defendant. Like, this is like, just. Like, how would that look good to Starfleet? You know, like this. It, it baffles me. But you think about it, Picard is always asking his besties to, like, come and. and we've talked about this his his on trial. some show. Yeah, it's <laughs> so... always like the bitter. Boyfriend or girlfriend, that's just yes, Admiral Sati. <laughs> <laughs> I think Sati yes, was drumhead, but I know, but still he knew her. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh he, knew, his, her he knew her dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the nepotism that so... lawyer. That's <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. That's yes, right. exactly. So I just because I hate this because it made me severely dislike Patel. Like, I remember my fiance and I just like screaming at the TV, like, why did they put her in this position? But also, it just makes her like have to turn on all of them, basically, you know? And we've seen Riker do this, but against uh, his will. So, it, again, I guess, ha- actually, now that I'm thinking that about is it, it so is kind chaotic. of a story. That is, that is chaotic. <laughs> Yeah, to have so this is against okay, that's anyway. too much. This is too much. It, it's too, yeah, okay I'm, I'm speechless. Yeah I can't this I, is like just, the two nickels yeah. thing. I can't believe we yes. have two nickels. <laughs> Absolutely phenomenal. Um I mean I hated it. Yeah I, I it just <laughs> Ashley, did this sour your experience with Patel? How did you feel? I no, I did not like her at all, like this entire episode. Yeah. The thing that shakes me though is when we get to Among the Lotus Eaters subspace rhapsody hegemony like seeing the episodes that follow this and the rest of season two the fact that pike stays with her and spike spike God, <laughs> I, I say i thought that happens a lot so i feel like yeah oh, God. I, <laughs> it. I kept saying um, <laughs> something so funny i can't dwarf too Wolf oh, Wolves yeah. oh, <laughs> oh, she's so old now. Hike does not try to leave her, based off of what happened in Ad Astra Prospera. and in fact, he's renewed in among they're the lotus eaters. <laughs> yeah, they're stronger <laughs> than ever. So, so that's why I. I'm just going to let Pike be happy, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um. It seems like he wants this. in Among the Lotus Eaters, she gives him a gift. It's very Chakotay-goated. Um. What is it, like a watch or something? It's like a, a locket. A bracelet or oh, something. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like a locket type thing. And throughout the episode, when he's lost his memory, he keeps holding on to it. And he's like, I have to give this to someone I care about. And, like, that's mm-hmm. what's driving him the whole episode. Yeah. It's this love for Battelle. Like, <laughs> whoa. Wow. Yeah, and so... It, at the end of the episode, he basically tells her like, that was crazy. Like, I, I feel <laughs> like we need to keep going with this, even though it's mm-hmm. hard. Like, I think it's going to be worth it. I, you know, I, I think Mattel's struggles with balancing this has to be so hard for mm-hmm. her, you know, thinking about this from her perspective. And you just have to be constantly weighing like, is this worth it, you know, and it's in in a relationship, you don't want to have to be doing that but the nature of their like Starfleet careers like you do have to be doing that so I I feel for her, and I'm happy for them. Absolutely. Well, when I'm thinking about Subspace Rhapsody and Hegemony, where like, it feels like there's an extreme whiplash going on with them having to deal with emotional, personal problems and then immediately deal with ships issues, you know, and we see this all the times with captains, but especially when they're dating each other and then dealing with the same issue like in Subspace Rhapsody, then it's extremely complicated because then, you know, they don't have their little private conversation. <laughs> private conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that, it and so, that whole thing—it, oh oh. yeah, Pike just doesn't oh. want to go like to a spa. He'd rather like go camping. At a spa. It's just so I don't know. That, I felt like they they Something. took a step back in that one for sure. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Yeah, that's fine though. Patel at the end speaks to her issues with him of like, hey, you need to be more open to being honest with me and telling me how you feel about things. And it's just funny because she doesn't do a lot of the same to him. She does. She's not very open things that are serious but she's honest about like a spa that she wants to go to so i think both of them are stubborn enough to not talk about their feelings and Patel here in (laughs) she's in a hegemony takes like a whole it takes a whole turn because now she's in this extremely dangerous situation with the gorn have landed on this colony planet she is actually attacked by a gorn and is like possible that she could die so she's feeling protective of pike because she loves him but she's also protective of her crew and of everyone who trying to get everyone out of there and so i just applaud her bravery in this moment of having to be injured and scared and knowing you could die same it's similar to like how Hemmer handled it you know just like Kept moving on, kept sheltering when they could. And it was just really impressive to see, especially because we're getting so much romantic stuff from her that it's nice to see her in action, even though it's terrible that now she's been attacked by the Gorn and we're ending on this cliffhanger. We don't know if she'll live or die. And that's just insane to me. Yeah, I think by the time we reach hegemony, I'm pretty on board with her. I forgot about Ad Astra (laughs) Barra. Yeah. I... (laughs) I love seeing her in action down on the ground and she's just being a captain that she's doing exactly what she should do. And it makes me wish that we could have seen some scenes of her on the Cayuga. And I, I know it's, it's, it's once again, because we don't have a 26 episode season because you know, we would have some sick Cayuga dinners with Pike and her over there. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. There'd be like a weird weird one. It'd be great. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So Let's see if she dies going into season three. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Good luck, fam. Literally. Yeah. So I am now going to do a final toast before we move on to our final person today. And this goes out to Ensign Christina. She was the communications officer on board Enterprise before Ahura took her job. (laughs) Wow, the person before Ahura. What a a shout out. (laughs) So, Ensign Christina, we admire you. We're sorry you couldn't do better, but... (laughs) Oh, damn! A roast, actually. (laughs) Cheers. Cheers. (laughs) You paved the way for Mm Ahura. Trendsetter. Yeah. Yeah, we love you. Yes. Um, even if we don't know you. Okay, Ashlyn, t- now it is time to move on to the legendary, the beautiful, the incredible... Insatiable! Insatiable! <laughs> Unstoppable! <laughs> From... Fully operational!
0: Fully <laughs> <laughs> expirational! Okay. That's how it goes, right? I know all the
1: words yeah. to that song. Um, Nayota Ahura... Communications officer, she is both cadet and ensign in these episodes we were discussing. Wow, it has been an extremely, extremely long road. I knew Classic you were going to say that. I was like, here we fucking go. He Classic Rihanna. God, here she goes again. <laughs> um, I, but seriously, how long has it been since we talked about her and uh, feminism, the seasons of TOS? Yeah. Okay. So to prepare for this pod, I actually did a little research myself. I'm also the archivist on this podcast. Um, (laughs) Got to go back and listen sometimes. So I was listening back to our TOS episode, The Only One With a Clue, which is a great one, great title, where we talk about her pretty extensively. And some of the highlights, I thought things that were interesting to bring out is that we said... That she loved to perform or sing out loud. Like she would lead random songs all the time. So you can, you know, uh, she really shines in the downtime part of scenes where they're having recreational time, or she's making a joke with Sulu and Chekhov, or hanging out on the bridge with Mirror Sulu. She really shines in those moments because you can see how strong her connection is to the rest of the crew and how deeply they know each other. We said that she isn't afraid to take command and can read situations quickly. So she acts, you know, she's quick to act in a crisis. She knows what she's doing and she's confident about it. And she's a truly invaluable translator. So when I'm watching Strange New Worlds, I am expecting that some of these things that we mentioned are going to be set up for the character of a her that we know and love in TOS. So like having these legacy characters return in this new Trek, it's balancing that, how do we give a background to this character and also honor who she becomes in the original series? And personally, I'll just say, I love her. And I love what they're doing with her. And I I think, especially, so her, she gets a big episode right away. She is clearly established as one of the main characters, as she should be, because in Children of the Comet, she saves the day. Uhura uh translates this comet and saves the day. So yeah, right Rihanna, Rihanna. you wanna you wanna jump right into it? Absolutely. So there's this comet that has been traveling for quite a while and it is traveling past this planet, but will get the planet will be destroyed if the comet comes into impact with it. So Pike is trying to negotiate with this guy who is following the comet because it's actually this like sentient species that communicates through sound or through music and through like musical communication, essentially. And Uhura is the one who achieves contact basically with them by communicating and Uhura goes onto the comet and they're able to save the day. <laughs> so the very basic summary, but I the things I definitely want to highlight about this is that Uhura and Laon, Kirk and Spock all go down to this comet. No, Kirk, LOL. It is Kirk, technically. <laughs> Sam Kirk, yeah. not Jim. George. Um, <laughs> George. No one calls him George. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sam Kirk is here. He touches the glowing egg right away, gets zapped, and then he's out of commission for the rest of the episode, leaving a more urgent time where Spock was starting to tell people how much time they have left, and Uhura is starting to feel the pressure. Mind you, this is her first ever official away mission especially saying as she is the like official translator so she is going to be doing most of the away mission itself yeah i also want to just throw in that there's a great great scene that opens this episode which is ahura has been invited to dinner with captain pike and it's Oh, it's a wonderful scene. scene. Ortega's kind of hazes her and tells her to wear a dress uniform. So she shows up in a dress uniform and it's very casual. Except Una's in a uniform too. So like solidarity. Um, Una always. Yeah. And Spock. So of course the serious ones. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So yeah. love to see the scene. This is when we find out her background, which has been what we've been asking for the whole time. So not only does she have a name, she has parents. We know she's from Kenya. Yeah. and a brother and they're all dead and she yeah. ran away to Starfleet this is a this is we're going to pack this in family later but sure. she was going to attend the university of Nairobi but that's where her parents worked and she knew like i cannot be at this school where i feel their presence all the time i'll never be able to get over this and so she runs away to Starfleet and as pike points out and spock she beats out thousands of applicants to get this spot as having uh, being in the cadet rotation on the flagship of the Federation. Still, like this is not her dream. This is not something that she has had in mind her entire life. This is just her attempting to search to find where she belongs. And she's not as committed to Starfleet as almost everyone else is on all of Star Trek. She doesn't know if she fits in here or not. And when she expresses it at this dinner, she gets a mix of like a lot of people are kind of like whoa like that's a little concerning that you don't know what your path is but pike is very gracious he's like well i you know your skills are going to be valuable no matter where you end up because he's 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 dad you know he's going to support her always yeah ashlyn thank you thank you for bringing this up i love this scene because it does establish that uhura is, is is on shaky ground you know with where she feels like she belongs and being able to show that sort of vulnerability to the crew so early on in just her being a cadet, doing her rotations right now, that is so special. And something that I think is brilliant about her is, as she says, my father said I would start talking and not stop or something. Yeah, I can't it's remember. The, but it's, um, Oh, fuck. It's I, very I, cute. That's what I wanted to email you was mm-hmm. the, that quote instead speaks... Without abandon or something. I yeah, don't know. something anyway. like that. It's it's really cute. And she will just say it like it is. And so she reveals that she knows, what, 37 languages? 42. 42 languages. I love the scene. I love her vulnerability. And it's okay to not know your path. You know, I think that that is what... Pike is establishing for her even if Spock is kind of like having a weird scene after about like berating her for that I think that she still holds strong and she's able to sort of bat Spock away throughout this episode when he's being kind of irritating like she'll be she'll be kind of like really seriously that was your pep talk you know or whatever so I think that was special she also gets to have this interaction with Spock and Hemmer where she gets to sort of tell them off in each of their languages. I don't know. She's just got such a special ability to speak to people where they are, like in the pilot where she's able to literally talk to this guy about his culture because she understood the language enough to calm him down so that he can be sedated. I just think that overall her ability to navigate both social situations and like these really complex first contact translation situations are really incredible Yes, I totally agree with you. And I love seeing that she is incredibly insecure about her, not only her place in the Enterprise, but also her abilities. She has no confidence in herself. And when she's chosen for this away mission and suddenly it turns to danger after dumb old Sam is injured and they realize that they have lost communication to the ship and everyone is relying on her, on Ahura to be able to translate this comment and save the day. And she rises to the occasion, but... It's only after Spock apologizes. And I think part of, you know, that weird scene you mentioned, Rihanna, I really felt like Spock was devaluing her space on the Enterprise because he was so heavily emphasizing that if you don't want to be here, if you aren't sure if you want to be here, you should get out. And this was something I was told in high school. I went to an arts high school and we were told this from the first day that we have people who are on the wait list for the school and if you don't want to be here or if you're like not behaving we will kick you out or you should go somewhere else where you're serious and this person this person telling us this we were like sixth graders it was a middle school through high school situation and I really feel like that has worked a lot of my life because constantly being told that you only matter if you're 100% committed is not a great message to send because if you're trying to build well-rounded people and also how can someone make up their minds about what they want to be when they're 12 <laughs> no. you change so no. much your whole life and I think there's this emphasis on your career culture you know where you're mm-hmm. going to have one job and you're going to like it and okay. so anyway yeah. I really I digress but I really related to a her in this moment and that was messed yes. up of Spock to say so he's incredibly thank you the, the way that we the way that it gets resolved is Spock apologizes and he's like you know what do your thing like you were you were the one who is <laughs> yeah. going to help us and and they both work together to figure out that it is singing yeah. and they um, sing together they sing together yeah just like they will again yes yeah and ashley i want to quote from our feminism prodigy episode you said rock talk math it's correct but you're deeply unsure about it i feel like that also applies to her her math <laughs> yes <laughs> absolutely thank you i yeah. love that yes yeah um I I think so when we jump, the next episode is Lost in Translation and Ahura has had a nice, beautiful arc where she is becoming more confident. And in season two, she is granted the official rank of Ensign. So we have her. She at this point has saved many lives and I think Mm -hmm. is still is feeling more sure about Starfleet, but still finding her path. Yeah, and had a lot of guidance by Hemmer, was learning more about engineering, exploring all of her paths. She would finished her cadet rotation, knew what she wanted to do with being in translation, being in um, linguistics and Communications, stuff. Communications, yeah. So in Lost in Translation, she starts hearing these transmissions that people assume are hallucinations, these like high-pitched crazy noises. Also, as we kind of discussed in... The part one of this episode, she's also having trouble adjusting to Pella, um, which is a whole nother issue that she's dealing with, because she's dealing with the grief of losing Hemmer. So her has got a lot going on right now, because this basically the plot of this episode is that this alien is trying to communicate to be like, stop killing us. We are an alien in this deuterium. Stop using us for your fuel and then was communicating that through Uhura through like symbols and images that people thought were hallucinations. And the only one who believes her is Kirk, but (laughs) which is like another thing about believing women, especially women Mm -hmm. of color. Um,
0: Kirk is an ally, it turns out. Yeah. Yeah,
1: exactly. James T. Kirk, not Sam Kirk. Yeah, so it's a very great episode, though, because we see Uhura yet again, fighting through The uncertainty of the situation, you know, before it was the comet, before it was like, I don't know if I can get us all out of here alive. And now it's this uncertainty of again, I don't know if I'm going mad or if this is an alien talking to me and turns out it was an alien talking to her and she figures it out with the help of Kirk and, and science and math and stuff, you know, but it's just so beautiful and refreshing to see one that Uhura is not interlinked with a couple. They don't do any kind of weird uh, James T. Kirk and Uhura thing. There was the whole like, don't hit on me. And he's like, I swear I wasn't hitting on you after she hits him, literally. Um, So I just do want to shout that out as well. I think that Uhura is definitely championing the, full well-roundedness that we've been looking for in the rest of these female characters this part two episode yeah and I think also when is in the hospital at the beginning of this episode Mbenga notes that she has not been sleeping enough and she's been working overtime because this is how she's been dealing with processing Hemmer's death because it's bringing up everything about her loss of her family and, you know, I'm sure makes her question her whole life. So in order to deal with this, she just works harder, like a classic Starfleet. And I also just want to shout out, once again, continue my Mariner shout out in um, Those Old Scientists because that is when she's called out, like, by Ortegas, by Chapel, that Orhara never takes breaks and she never comes and hangs out with them. She just works all the time. and Solving stuff by herself. Yes, being yes. solo. <laughs> yes. <You know? laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. Uh, thank you, Brianna. Um, mm-hmm. we're not quite at Subspace Rhapsody, but we're almost there. <laughs> but yeah, like Mariner helps bring out that idea of, hey, maybe you should take a break every once in a while. That might help. They're starting that. And we're starting to see Ahura's carefree nature that we know in TOS. We we see that she has, here it is, has a long, long road to go. <laughs> there it is. I also think though, especially in this episode, we see her kind of Like, at wit's end, like, truly, this is such a difficult situation for her to deal with, especially when no one's believing her, she doesn't think they're hallucinations, but she knows something's going on and feels she has to go save Ramon by herself. She has to push through seeing these images of the shuttle accident of her family and of Hemmer as like a skeleton. So it's just really, it's really frightening to see what she has to push through these images to contact the alien and, and be able to communicate again to compartmentalize and do the job and then deal with the emotional aftermath later. Uh, which I think Kirk helps with, you know, and hopefully she gets her cookie, but I just, one of my favorite lines, even though it's like a serious moment, is when she's like, I do not want a cookie, (laughs) you know, and he's like, now you do sound crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I just beautiful, like, he he helps her sort of make levity out of these tough moments, and so she doesn't actually, you know, so this doesn't actually really hurt her mentally, and of course it will, it's a tough situation, but anyway, um, I just, I love it, and kirk just said that looks like she needed a good listener so again talk about a good ally is just like listening to women and then she uhura still makes the whole plan solves it basically by herself saves the day yep pike defers to her pike again an example of him giving someone an incredible amount of leeway and permission Mm -hmm. to improvise because he just listens to uhura he says you got this you go go girl yeah (laughs) go girl (laughs) yeah amazing oh well okay repeating Repeating, (laughs) i find myself here all alone (laughs) i know okay let's go it's time for subspace rhapsody another episode where her saves the day yeah it actually feels pretty similar to it does in translation Maybe we got lost in translation, maybe oh, I asked for too, too much. Gosh. Oh god, Taylor. <laughs> um, Taylor uh, has a grip on us as firm so, as usual. As cold as usual. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the most insane part of this episode to me, which you're going to laugh at because like not the singing and dancing. No, it's the fact that they used Ahura as a switchboard operator when they have more than one person in communications there has to be one more person in the department who can help her with these various calls coming in because this you know okay. is being repaired so she has to do this all manually i am just shocked that she's doing this by herself absolutely flabbergasted rihanna how did i not think of this i I also, I i am solidarity with you about this outrage yeah. because also I'm thinking about in Star Trek 2009, I know alternate universe, but when Kirk is running around and he got, he's got num-tongue, <laughs> he's got num-tongue, <laughs> he runs into a hurrah and he tells yeah. her, hey, there's been a Klingon transmission, blah, blah, blah. From Yeah. From <laughs> <Romulan>. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there are like a hundred communications officers around yeah. them on this random part of the ship and this yes. is the enterprise that mm-hmm. we're on so mm-hmm. I don't think the universes are that different that there aren't like some subground of communications officers that are not on the bridge and she's like yeah. the head of her department as mm-hmm. all of the bridge officers are but yeah. It, yeah so it is just needless that they're making her like it just seems like an uncreative way writing wise to make it mm-hmm. seem like a, her is busy and like yeah they all rely on her but like her, it, in a row of people all working at the same time, it's and make have her yes, you know, like answering calls for the bridge officers. Sure, but it makes her seem too like secretarial. And I I know yes. in this in TOS yes. that is kind of like the idea they were going just for gonna say that, but yeah. there's a there's a better way well, and there's a way to move away from it that you can still stay at its roots like this is what makes me kind of irritated in general is that you know chapel is going to pre- forever be nurse chapel i know that not that in the movie she's not so like but in tos and in um and it's strange new worlds and everything and tas she's always forever nurse chapel and i know like this is not shade on a nursing profession at all um but i just mean like you know how women are always delegated to being a nurse and not a doctor and to be sort of seen as this like step below the male profession quote unquote and that was of course the idea of positions for women during that era of tos but because it's carrying on, like you're saying, the same with Uhura being the position of secretary or like switchboard operator, basically um, they make fun of that in galaxy quest all the time. Like, why am I just answering a phone call when you can answer it? And I just push a button that you can push, you know, like I'm basically like the middle person. I just, it does frustrate me. I, I think that it would be so much more powerful to see her amongst her other communications team like we never see her with her team if she has a team and then it makes me think does she ever have a team i've never <laughs> seen her never like report to her department head is she the department head probably so is she re- does she have a team to report things to <laughs> does she have any support you know no like, idea. i just would love some logistics coverage to help me understand like why they would yeah why they would t- take this choice in writing i don't know yeah yeah deeply unsure thank you rihanna that's yeah that's exactly right yeah so anyway yeah so that scene is ridiculous i in the rest of subspace rhapsody though i love hearing her solo that one specifically has been like on repeat for me i was really into laon's solo and these days Mm -hmm. it's, it's a hura now yeah celia gooding is such an amazing, fantastic singer. They are definitely the star. And like one of the main reasons to write a musical episode is there's so many talented singers. So love to see it. Her solo, I will say, is quite depressing though it's my only yes. complaint is that everyone else gets to kind of sing about what they're dreaming to achieve una's like oh i want to not hide my secrets anymore i want to get better at like being honest and then laon's like yeah i want to be able to reveal my emotions more and mm-hmm. her is like everyone i know is dead everywhere i, I go i'm to do so low by myself yeah. yeah i have to fix yeah. this all myself so and hers is kind of like a lament mm-hmm. rather than an empowering song and i just i hope ahura gets to sing her fight song (laughs) at some (laughs) point you know it just makes me sad because we don't see a lot of like in the future of ahura in the movies even like we don't get to see a ton of what else she's doing with her life besides just chilling on the enterprise which is fantastic you know but i don't know we don't get a a ton of that like looking forward stuff so but this is just so beautiful and, and such a good point ashlyn i literally wrote in my notes i said she literally sings a whole song about feeling like she has to save everyone on her own like that is so crazy and i also wrote that she has to sing in a breakup song watch spock sing about the breakup song and then sing about doing everything herself like yeah and then after that she is i think it's literally the next song is the the finale and she's like talking about how she saved everyone and Ahura <laughs> uh, <her>, you saved <laughs> us <Yes. laughs> yeah. more singing more voices the the thing that kills me about that too is like Pike just goes like okay Ahura you do it and she's like excuse me you know he's the- she's like come again he's, you rally the troops you know because they have to make it sure everyone dances and sings of course um normal mission and she said, walk know. to the top. Don't ever stop. <laughs> don't ever stop. <laughs> gimme, give gimme. Give shimmy, shimmy, shimmy. shimmy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's refocus now, you know, and then she helps them, which is really cool. I love that he called her the voice of the Enterprise. That was just so beautiful and absolutely true to Ahura's legacy as a character, to Nichelle, to Celia, like to Zoe. You know, I think that all of these women have been such an incredible Ahura and i'm so 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 excited to see more i know that they're gonna do like probably two more or her episodes or at least feature her again in season three because why wouldn't they she's incredible and she deserves all the screen time she's getting wow yeah she's cute Absol- as hell i love her just like grinning and, and like laughing at the end of the episode Ah, oh, it just brings me so much joy absolutely love her agreed and i i just think that Pike trusting her in *Lost in Translation*, and then once again in *Subspace Rhapsody*. I think shows that he sees something special within her because you don't always, unless you're like Wesley, um, you don't always like get called upon by the captain to do really important things. And (laughs) and in this in this situation, she's like in charge of the sound, I guess, on the Enterprise. So (laughs) everyone's singing, and he lets her do the pep talk. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's in just... charge of the ox cord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, at least she didn't play um <laughs> she did play anything goes though. <laughs> no, she she did play anything. <laughs> it comes back again. <laughs> i thought for a second it wasn't uh, her it really wasn't her I anything goes well yeah anyway i sorry yeah. to end on that note uh, no no it's fine <laughs> yeah i think real quick before we finish up let's do rapid fire can you think of any hobbies for nurse chapel i guess uh oh. my medical archaeology, archaeology. <laughs> yeah. a lot of like sub anything medical hobbies beside guess, her but... job though like flirting um, being like flirting. like she says she's bi once. Um. <laughs> her hobbies <laughs> is being bisexual. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I, coming up empty. Coming up empty. Okay, how about to pring? To pring okay. has um, something, right? I mean, <laughs> nope. Okay, move on. Okay, uh, uh or, has a lot of hobbies we talked about. Singing she, yeah, singing. and she's singing. Sang. That's it, actually. And being sad about her parents. Oh, <laughs> um, God. Okay. Uh, engineering i would say a oh, little yeah, bit yeah she's That's got that side hustle you know. yeah mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. ortegas ortegas um okay nope, uh, captain patel <laughs> okay so going on no... spa vacations <laughs> going yeah okay there you go That's relaxing um, <laughs> <laughs> Sitting in some water. <laughs> um, I mean, hot tubbing is tubing, hobby as well. <laughs> hot tupping is a valid hobby, and I respect yeah, I to all that. of you. Yes, yeah. I will um, always do that. Okay, so hey, what I'm learning is we need hobbies for these women. Una, like where Pelia? My... Pelia was... has hobbies. Pelia has hot. But that's also because she's been alive for like a billion years. Like guided also has hobbies because. She's ancient. So, I guess you can't have hobbies when you're young. (laughs) You have to exceed like 300 and then you have to develop the hobbies later. Yeah. But a man, like a boy, can have a hobby. You're good. Like Alexander, he's got hobbies. Don't worry. But like a child. Yeah. Naomi has. Hobbies, but I guess all children have hobbies because you don't have a job. You have yet. <laughs> free time, yeah. Um, either way, this is such an interesting discussion and just so integral to feminism. How you know it's everywhere when you start looking. This is what I always think about, like the either the lack of women in spaces or or the presence of them. You know, once you start looking for it, you see it everywhere, including in media, and we see it here all the time. Whether it be sexist things that pop up in Star Trek, even though we love it, it happens. And also the triumphs that we see in feminism, which also happen all the time and happened here today in this episode, Ashland, of us sisters, women, talking about other women. What a beautiful day <laughs> to be here. Oh, <laughs> that's it's just wonderful. And what a joy to return to the feminism series. I yeah. mean, this... Man, I didn't really think I could keep thinking about Strange New Worlds in, wow. in all these different ways. So this has I been I always so say fun. that. And then yeah. I'm always challenged again. I know. Yeah, Even from amazing. like this episode to last week's episode, like, yeah, wow. Completely um, different and amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, we really pulled the classic Dura Sisters by having a part one and two for this episode. <laughs> I'm, I'm so proud of us and so happy to be here on the pod. Yes. And I just get only more excited and more hyped because... We are starting our next series next week. We will be starting the finale series. So we will be talking about, and who knows? There could be a week break. Um, we never yeah, know. Who knows? <laughs> we, we don't know TV yet. But on that. our next pod, we will be discussing Turnabout Intruder, which is the finale Whoa. of the original series never yet discussed on the pod in any capacity. We've This has never come up. <laughs> <laughs> so beyond delighted and terrified i think i've seen this episode once in my entire life yeah same i've only seen it once i've seen a lot of pictures (laughs) since Mm -hmm. but yeah Mm -hmm. so please join us it'll be like it'll be a joy Um, absolutely you know something else that makes this podcast really wonderful is our patrons so i want to say thank you to ian davies jordan hirsch megan chowning mc freudis spotted giraffe david willett carlon nascos wolf wit anna f John B., Gildara, Jeff Richardson, Never Otter Even, Anna Post, T. Alexander, Ivan Fetch, and Michelle. Oh my goodness, thank you all so much for being patrons of this podcast. We love you so much, patrons. Thank you for all that you do for us. And. Ashlyn, I love you. And I'm so glad that we talked about feminism in two parts <laughs> and gave people what they wanted. So. Absolutely. I love you too. Thank you. That was very yes. sweet. <laughs> I don't uh, think we <laughs> ever said it on the pod. I was like, <laughs> whoa, like, well, she really said that on the air. <laughs> <laughs> we did say it during love and affection, which is like, or family, Aww. which is a missed opportunity. But, okay. Well, uh, we're making we up for it now. Yeah. yeah. Brianna, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you to cisco thank you to mccoy for being here i know they enjoyed this conversation as much (laughs) as i did Um, yeah yes so i can't wait and we'll see you next time for the start of the finale series absolutely and remember don't let the patox get you down ah (laughs) thank you for listening to the duras sisters podcast please tune in next week for the first episode of our finale series where Ashen and Rihanna will discuss Turnabout Intruder from the original series. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram threads, Blue Sky, mostly not, and Twitter to check to see our suggested watch list for our upcoming episodes. Also take a moment to check out our content on Tumblr, TikTok, YouTube, and our merch on Threadless. All links can be found in the bio of any of our social media pages. If you like what you heard today, please leave us a review on whatever platform you listen. By donating $1, 6 12 or $23 per month, you can become a monthly patron and unlock our exclusive rewards for each tier. You can find all of this and more at patreon.com slash the Dura Sisters podcast. If you would like to contact us for any reason, please do so at the Dura Sisters podcast at gmail.com. So far, we have covered these podcast series. Pilot episodes, family, love and affection, time travel, Villains, Movies, Feminism, Death Fakeouts, First Officers, Spooky, Holodeck, Engineering, and the Mirror Universe series. If you haven't heard a particular series yet, please go back and listen to any of these awesome episodes. Social media, marketing, and editing is done by Rihanna Hurd and Ashlyn Gelman. Our intro and outro is by Jerry Goldsmith.